if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. Hour number two is underway now. Minutes past 10 o'clock on AM 1420. The answer. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday, the third morning of the third month of the year of our Lord 2021. Thanks again to Max Miller for coming on and doing a little bit of an introduction of himself to this audience and to voters. Um, I want your reaction at 216-901-0945, I'll say this. Uh, Max is young. You can tell. He's 32. He's never run for office before. You can tell that, too. Uh, he will get more comfortable with these kinds of things. Um, I, you're going to have to be, obviously, if you're going uh, to win an election. He is the Trump-endorsed candidate, but that's largely because of his association with President Trump. Uh, I want to know what you think uh, about your first impression and whether or not this will be the guy to remove Anthony Gonzalez. You heard uh, Joni Schultz on my program last month as well. And if you heard both, that's even better to make a comparison. But uh, I'm curious as to what you think. He's, uh, he's obviously got a lot of experience and a lot of the right connections serving in the Trump White House to really push the Trump agenda. And I will tell you this. Uh, I just got a text message from a friend uh, actually a relative who said, wouldn't it be poetic irony or poetic justice rather, beg your pardon, poetic justice. And I think she's right. Poetic justice for the Trump endorsed candidate to replace the Trump impeachment voter. Anthony Gonzalez turned his back, not only on Donald Trump, but also on the constituents, his, uh, voters in the, in the 16th district who are all very strong and avid Trump supporters. He turned his back on them with that shameful vote. He knew they were going to be angry. Wouldn't it be best? Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be that, that irony? Wouldn't it be that poetic justice if when he is bounced from Congress, it is by the Trump-endorsed candidate? Just uh, throwing that out there. All right, uh, I want to pivot and talk a little bit about the cancel culture now because um, this is getting to be ridiculous. Um, last, Let me ask you this. If I were to say to you, Um, where can I buy that book? Doesn't matter what book, just that question. Hey, where can I buy that book? What is the first answer that comes to your mind? You might say a bookstore, perhaps. You might even name a bookstore. You might say Barnes & Noble or something. Can't say Borders anymore. Those went out of business years ago. Bookstores are kind of uh, you know, a, a relic. Libraries even more so. 
to go and rent books or you know borrow books, if I say, where do I get that book, chances are your first answer is going to be Amazon, right? The Amazon bestsellers list is as big in terms of you know reputation for authors as the New York Times bestsellers list is, especially because the New York Times bestsellers list is tainted because they cheat. Uh, and there have been countless numbers of stories done on that. They try to censor and ban and block conservative books from their list, uh, and they buy up. Well, I don't want to get into all the details, but Amazon bestseller is is a is a pretty prominent thing to be right now if you're an Amazon bestseller. Amazon is where you go if you want to go buy a book. In fact, almost every time when I have a guest on this program who's an author and they have a book to sell, and we'll talk about their book and we'll talk about some of the content, and I'll say, hey, where can people buy your books? And the first thing they'll say to me is Amazon. And then some of them will have it through their own website, but linked through Amazon. So Amazon matters. Why am I talking about this? Here's why I'm talking about this. Last week, I had Dr. Everett Piper on the program, and we talked about the cancellation of a book by a doctor who wrote a book, a clinical analysis, not a hit piece, but a clinical analysis of trans the transgender mo- moment and movement. Two different things. Transgender moment that we're in and the movement going forward that they're trying to push. Um, and he wrote it again from a clinician's perspective. It's called When Harry Became Sally, as opposed to When Harry Met Sally, the famous movie from the late 1980s. Billy Crystal and uh, Meg Ryan, I think it was. Anyway, when Harry became Sally, and it was not a transphobic, you know, boy, I hate these people kind of. It was a clinician's perspective of the transgender moment and movement, right? Amazon yanked it, canceled it from their sales, uh, you know, from their website. They won't sell it anymore. You can't find it there. And the reason why is cancel culture, quite simply. Somebody wrote something about the trans movement, that the trans movement and the LGBTQ XYZ exclamation point question mark ampersand hashtag uh, group didn't like, and so it got canceled. Now, it's impossible to justify, but they did it, and they didn't even have to justify it. Now, why am I bringing that up from last week to this week? Well, because this week we just found out, or at least it just hit the news, that during Black History Month, which just concluded the month of February, an historic Supreme Court justice had his book canceled from the Amazon website. Somehow, some way. Amazon thought it was okay to cancel Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. His popular book, Clarence Thomas, is called Created Equal. Clarence Thomas, in his own words, um, called for more than 30 hours of interviews with Clarence Thomas. This book is no longer available on Amazon. And they took it down during Black History Month which is just about as insane as, as insanity gets. The Wall Street Journal explaining, early last month, Amazon deleted a documentary film about Justice Clarence Thomas from its pop... Oh, this is the film version. Sorry, I'm talking about the book. There's a book. Uh, but the film version also uh, called Created Equal, Clarence Thomas in his own words. 
It recounts just, uh, Justice Thomas's rise from poverty in segregated Georgia to Yale Law School and eventually to the Supreme Court. Along the way, viewers can learn about Clarence Thomas's views on race, religion, politics, the role of the judiciary, and more. That documentary began airing on PBS in May 2020 and streaming on Amazon in October, but it was taken down by Amazon on February 8th, again, during Black History Month. According to the director, Michael Pack, Amazon never told them why. Our distributor, who's the one who made the deal with Amazon, has completely asked for, or excuse me, has repeatedly asked them for explanations, but they haven't given any. They have the right to pull anything they want from their site, but they don't have, and they don't have to give an explanation, but they don't do this to anyone else. You want to say it's not a contract violation, but many people have complained and they haven't put it back up. Now, if this sounds familiar, I told you about the cancellation of the book when Harry uh, uh, became Sally. Let's take this a little further. Last uh, fall, Amazon pulled a similar stunt. Eli uh, Steele's What Killed Michael Brown, that's the title of it, a critique of the liberal social policies that was written and narrated by his father, the race scholar Shelby Steele, was supposed to stream on Amazon in October, but then was held up for reasons the company never fully explained. Amazon eventually relented and made the film available, but only after these pages, uh, meaning the Wall Street Journal, weighed in and made a fuss. Mr. Pack said that Created Equal, the Thomas film, was doing so well on Amazon, uh, there was no reason whatsoever for them to want to pull it for lack of interest. For a while, our film was briefly number one in documentaries, he said, and I think it's still number 25 or 30. Notably, less popular documentaries about Anita Hill, who, of course, her name is always going to be you know, uh, cross-referenced with Clarence Thomas's, and Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg continue to be available. So these are much less popular, popular documentaries, much less viewed, and they're available, but Clarence Thomas's is gone. Why don't they offer created Thomas anymore? There's obviously, or created equal anymore. There's obviously customer demand for Clarence Thomas's story. There seems to be plenty of demand these days for positive assessments of black conservatives. So even uh, while one of the most, uh, one of the country's most popular streaming services is ambivalent about showcasing them, the demand is there. In addition to the two aforementioned documentaries, This past year brought up, and you know we talked about this with Larry, Larry Elder's Uncle Tom movie, which is about the treatment of blacks who challenge liberal orthodoxy, uh, and uh, also Thomas Sowell's Common Sense in a Senseless World, a profile of the Hoover Institution economist narrated uh, by uh, this actual writer in the Wall Street Journal. The spectrum of thought amongst African Americans is and has always been much broader and multifarious than commonly perceived, said black legal scholar Randall Kennedy. Fervent debate about scores of subjects, indeed every imaginable subject, have roiled African Americans ideologically. Accommodation versus protest, interracial socialism versus black nationalism, Gandhian nonviolence versus or Gandhian nonviolence versus by any means necessary. Support for affirmative action versus detestation of lowered standards. Integration versus black power. End quote. One reason for this misperception is Black History Month, whose emphasis on celebrating the achievements of blacks who fit a liberal narrative, while ignoring or minimizing the achievements of blacks who don't. 
If you're a prominent black figure who has been more focused on black development than on black victimhood, such as Clarence Thomas, Shelby Steele, Robert Woodson, or someone who is more interested in the results of a policy than its intentions, like Thomas Sowell and the late Walter Williams, there is an attempt to write you out of black history. Wittingly or not, Amazon is using its power to aid and abet this effort. I don't think Amazon should get away with doing these things without suffering at least some PR consequences, the director of the movie or the uh, film said. I think it's great that the Steel film got reinstated after the controversy. Deplatforming will go on if people don't write about it and complain about it. So book banning, book burning. I think Dr. Piper, going back to the beginning of this conversation, Dr. Piper called it digital book burning, and it is. If you make it impossible to find these non-woke books, and in this case not documentaries, again, my apologies for calling this the book. This was the documentary version. If you continue to force feed people only liberal orthodoxy and burn or ban digitally anyway um, the sale or the reading or the access to these conservative-minded books, what will we find ourselves in? We talked about it yesterday when I told you the story of the principal in Tennessee who got canceled for warning his students about totalitarianism. When only one side is allowed to be heard or read, you no longer have a marketplace of ideas from which to draw your own conclusions. You will be force-fed information and indoctrinated in the same way, which is exactly how totalitarian regimes begin their rise. That principle talked about North Korea and China. There's probably several others we could add to that. It starts out by controlling the thoughts and the communication, the ability to speak, the ability to read, the ability to be heard as well. So they did this to a black... Now, I'm just curious. What do you think would have happened if Amazon had pulled a documentary about a liberal African-American? Not one who is a conservative constitutional originalist on the Supreme Court like Clarence Thomas. The cancel culture is coming for everyone that does not speak woke. Another example still to come on AM 1420, The Answer. I was extremely honored and humbled. I mean, President Trump cares about our district and its voters. He really does. I mean, we've talked about it at length, and he knows firsthand I'll fight for both. And so I'm proud to have his endorsement. However, at the end of the day, I want to earn the support of every voter in that district because it's, it's who I am. And I will represent this district, and I am the conservative fighter that they need. And President Trump knows, knows you know, who I am, and that's my genetic makeup. I mean, I've been able to spend the past five and a half years with him, and he knows that I can take this fight and not back down. I like the line there from Max Miller where he said, I do appreciate the endorsement and it means a lot, but I want to earn the vote from the constituents. In other words, I don't want people to vote for me in the 16th just because uh, they like Trump and Trump endorsed me. I want to earn their vote. I think that's a great, great lesson and a great uh, ambition, rather, for uh, for Max Miller to have. Let's go to Derek in Richfield on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Derek, go ahead. Hi, good morning. Um, I just wanted to um, just comment about uh, 
So when you bring up how they pulled, you know, the documentary on Clarence Thomas, Justice Thomas, uh, you know, first it, it's just rich how they will, with Black History Month, well, for example, they would choose to promote a figure like Malcolm X over a Supreme Court justice, an actual living example of, uh, you know, of a successful, great African American, and also just how how they will pull that documentary over a Supreme Court justice, but yet. What will they have? But yeah, what is acceptable? Some perverted piece of smut like that, that cuties movie they have, they'll allow that. And, you know, I think unfortunately it's just frustrating that, you know, we're trying to look for any rational, logical reasons or anything. And unfortunately, the left, you know, they, I mean, they clearly have their agenda and they're just, they're just going to force what they want, and they're going to do whatever it takes just to get that. Well, they're that's so powerful. I mean, that's the, the, the real... You, everything you said is right, Derek. Um, they're, they're so powerful that they can force you know, the wokeness upon us, and they can cancel and silence that which is not quote-unquote woke, woke, because they run, you know, the most important aspects of, of, you know, American information society, the mainstream media and the social media. And that would include, to, in my estimation, uh, you know, like the streaming services like Amazon, and of course Amazon uh, online and their book-selling uh, um, prowess. They control what people can read and can see and can hear, and that gives them, uh, you know, all of the all of the chutzpah, I guess for lack of a better word, to keep on doing it. Who's going to cancel the cancelers? Nobody else has the power that Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey and um, uh, who else am I looking for here? Uh, uh, Tim Cook at Apple. Nobody else has the kind of power that these people do. Uh, so they can, can they can cancel and continue to cancel until the only speech is woke speech and the only stories are woke stories and the only books and movies, et cetera, et cetera, documentaries are woke. Um, and what are we going to do about it? All we can do is say, well, then we're, we, we just won't buy them anymore. Okay, to a degree, uh, but we're going to have to do more than that. We're going to have to do more than just not buy or boycott or whatever the case might be. We're going to have to find a way to crack that uh, crack that inner inner circle, if you will, of, of power brokers in media and social media. Otherwise, we're never going to get a fair shake. Yeah, and, you know, and it also... Uh you know, can't help bring to mind those old, you know, the old footage from um, 1930s Germany and all the piles of burning books, and history sure does repeat. Bingo. That's exactly what it is. Thank you for the call, Derek. It's it's digital book burning. Modern day book banning is old school, old style, um, totalitarian book burning. Book banning is book burning. There's just no question about it. Will the cancel culture succeed? Leo Terrell says it won't because it denies history. But again, it's in, in the time they were written. And again, if as a teacher, when I taught, you yeah. talk about the context of how these books were written. And, and, and today, that does not exist. And what we have, I mean, it's being done with the movies, Huckleberry Finn, Gone with the Wind. You know, people yeah. are canceling other organizations out, individuals, for what purpose? To set a tone and to basically hurt economically, politically, and socially. I think it's horribly wrong. Cancel culture is going to backfire because it denies history. You know, one of the things that struck I, me, uh, I, that- I, I kind of, I kind of agree, but I kind of wonder: Will it backfire? Yes, it does deny history, but again, they have such a stranglehold on all uh, of the aspects of media. It's very, very hard to to see a, a future in which we can wrest that control back from them. Nobody else is allowed in the throne room. 
All right, quick uh, check of the news. We'll come right back with more calls, guest-free, the rest of the way as well. AM 1420, The Answer. Have a question for Bob? A comment? A complaint? Hit up the authority message line. Call 216-525-1806 and make your voice heard. That's 216-525-1806. Call the authority message line. Good advice indeed. I always like hearing from people even when we are off the air. That's a great way for you to do it, especially if we are not live. If we're live, try to get through it, 216 If we're not, the message line is a great way to uh, to be heard. All right, I um, <clears throat> alluded to this in the first hour, if you were with us then. If you're not, I'll, I'll just kind of bring you in up to speed here. Uh, but uh, I played the Pledge of Allegiance this morning as I do at the start of every show. I started doing this a few weeks back in response to liberal Democrats in Congress who refused to allow the pledge to be recited before their committee hearings. The Pledge of Allegiance and the sight of our flag just ticks liberals off so badly. It just makes it worth my while to play the pledge. Well, I played uh, a version of a little kid. And I've had people since I've been playing the little kid, I've I've got different versions. i got adult versions. i got pre-produced versions i got the little kid classroom versions of the pledge of allegiance and i like them all but I, i've heard from some people saying they don't like it they prefer it to be you know the produced and deep voiced uh, adult versions and i say no the reason i think that the little kids recite the pledge of allegiance you know reciting the pledge of allegiance is so important is because it gives us hope that there are kids who are being taught to respect the flag, to respect the country, to respect this, our rights, uh, to respect the sacrifice of all of those who made all of those things possible, right? And I said, I'm going to play you something a little bit later on um, that will explain my point even further. So without further ado, I want to play something for you that you may find disturbing. And it is disturbing. This is a little boy, location unknown, but this is a little boy who is reading from an alphabet book. He's learning his ABCs, except that these are not the ABCs. These are from a book called The Gay BCs. Listen. E is for... I lie. E is for... Bye. C is for coming out. D is for drag. E is for equality. F is for family. Uh oh, Mr. Pose. G is for gay. H is for hope. R is for intersex. J is for joy. All right, I'm going to stop it there because I don't think I can take much more of it. I'm watching it as you're listening to it. It's a video uh, that was posted on social media. The progressive alphabet for the next generation, it's being called, the gay BCs. Um, little children wherever this may be, and I don't have a location. I've looked, and I can't seem to find a location or a source for the video, but the book is real. Uh, it literally says on the cover it is the gay BCs, and if you didn't hear some of those, A was for ally, B was for buy, 
C is for coming out, D is for drag, G is for gay, I is for intersex, L is for lesbian, N is for non-binary, O is for orientation, Q is for queer, T is for trans. This is a three- or four-year-old little boy who should not know anything at this stage of his life and development about sex, much less sexual orientation. But the book doesn't just show the ABC with the word that it correlates. It's got other language on each page. For example, after B is for buy on that page, the text reads, you can shout it out loud. I like boys and girls, and that makes me proud. At age three, there are no little boys. At age four, there are no little boys who should be liking girls much less other boys, because they don't know sex. They don't know same-sex attraction or or opposite-sex attraction, in other words, heteronorms. They don't know any of those things because they're little children. After G is for gay on that page, the text reads, it's a word that implies you're a girl who likes girls or a guy who likes guys. Again, You wonder why I want to indoctrinate kids with the pledge and with patriotism and with real American history because our kids are being indoctrinated with every leftist agenda from the LGBTQXYZ organizations to the uh, critical race theory and Black Lives Matter organizations to the 1619 Project. They're being indoctrinated with falsehoods. They're being indoctrinated with anti-science lessons after the l is for lesbian on that page it reads it's love and affection between two special girls who share a connection now i'm never i'm not going to tell anyone else how to live their life if you want to be gay be gay if you want to be Whatever in in the alphabet soup, I can't even get through them all. I don't even want to begin to get all of the you know go through the LGBTQXYZ thing. If you want to be any one of those letters or a combination of those letters, have at it. That's the beauty of a free country. That's the beauty of a nation that has you know allowed everyone to pursue whatever their version of happiness is. I have no problem with people pursuing their own their own happiness. Forcing such things, though, forcing such abnormal, um, you know, warped versions of the ABCs to teach kids about sex and sexuality at a very, very young age is not okay. Be gay, be what you want to be, as I said. Do not try to sign up new members by teaching them at a young age that this is, you know, normal or normative. And it's very important to to make that distinction, too, because when we use the word abnormal, it is not intended to be a pejorative. It is not intended to be a slur or a slam or a slight or anything else. It just means deviating from the actual norm. And the norm, of course, is that men and women are designed to, uh, you know, to couple and to procreate and to continue the furthering of the species. That is, quote-unquote, normal or normative in terms of science. To be different from the norm is indeed then, thus, 
abnormal. Again, not in a pejorative way, but just as a, there are much, much, there are far, far, far fewer of people like this than there are the norm. So so when we talk about abnormal, that's what we mean. It's not intended to be a slur. But we have to point out that it is also not okay for children to be taught that this is the normal. And it is not. Because the next step is to do exactly what, I shouldn't even say the next step. That next step has already been taken. This, this step that I'm sharing with you now with that video, that is drawing all kinds of reactions online, as everything else does, this is actually you know, after, after the fact. Or rather, I could argue that it's before the fact. Because the next step had already been taken, which is teaching little three- and four-year-olds you know, who are boys to wear dresses and say, no, I, I don't have to be a boy. I can be whatever I decide to be, and I'm gonna, my parents going to you know, make me wear dresses and play with dolls and do girl things, and little girls being told to do boy things. And nobody's saying a little girl can't be a tomboy either. But to allow that, or rather, to encourage or eventually force them to declare that they are not what their scientific body says they are through anatomy and physiology and biology and chromosomes, and to then tell them it's okay to start stopping the natural scientific formulation of their bodies, testosterone levels in, in males, estrogen levels in females, etc., to the point where hormone blockers are given, to the point where children are committing to a lifestyle that they are going to come to regret because somebody allowed them to indulge in, in little childhood fantasies and make permanent changes that will affect them as an adult. And we have seen and heard the warnings from people who have made those mistakes, have altered their bodies forever, either through surgical procedures or through, again, taking hormones and hormone blockers to try to change the science behind who they are. This cannot be allowed to be. All of these steps are intended to remove, and this this is the political aspect of this that, quite frankly, not enough people talk about. All of these steps that are being taken are part of, part of an effort to remove the nuclear family as we know it from our culture. Children are going to be born and brought up to believe that there is not a daddy and a mommy and that they live together with their brothers and sisters or brothers or sisters or whatever the case might be and that one day they will grow up to meet a mommy or a daddy of the opposite sex and have their own children The nuclear family cannot exist in a Marxist world. And Marxism, which we all know that all of the isms are very closely associated with each other, Marxism and socialism and communism, but in a Marxist world it is very clear. The nuclear family, this is what Black Lives Matter had on their their webpage as far as their core values and what they believe, that they must disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure to foster a queer-affirming network with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking. Because if they can break children away from the quote-unquote nuclear family and drive them toward the it-takes-a-village, then the village controls the people, and the village controls their minds. And that is exactly what they're trying to do. Why do you think Black Lives Matter never, ever, ever speaks out about fatherless families in the black community? Why do you think they never address 
the fact that 70 to 75% of young black children today are born into and raised in single-sex or single-family homes, rather, without a father. They don't speak out about it. They don't condemn it because they support it. Because when you break apart the nuclear family, you give more and more power to the governing body that is going to be responsible for raising that child without the family being present, the nuclear family being present. It's extraordinary. And it's going to take a lot of us seeing these things and speaking out against these things. And whether you do it on social media, risking being canceled or having your account closed or or, or whatever the case might be, suspended or banned, or whether it's in private or it's in public and watching what your kids are being taught in school, I'll tell you this. If I was a father right now of a five- or a six-year-old going into or maybe even a three- or four-year-old in a preschool, but going into the kindergarten level and so forth, I would be asking to inspect the library shelves in the school library and in the classrooms. Because if the ABCs have been replaced by or even joined by the ABCs, there's going to be a problem. This is going to be a problem. They're no longer teaching your kids to read and write. They're teaching your kids uh, to engage in behaviors that are quite simply wholly inappropriate for children of their ages. 216 Uh I'll come back with phone calls right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1053. I just got a um, text message from a listener who happens to have my cell phone because I know him. Uh, who said, your phrase, ABCs being replaced by the ABCs, was amazing. And I want to say I would love to take credit for that. Unfortunately, it wasn't my creation. That's literally the book the little boy was reading from. The name of the book is called The ABC, or the ABCs. They're teaching children how to learn their ABCs through the LGBTQ agenda. That is what it's all about. It's uh, It's startling. I'll have more on that, by the way, coming up at noon. If I did not mention it, uh, I am sitting in for Dennis Prager today. Dennis Prager uh, has the day off, so I'm going to be blessed to be able to speak with the uh, vast uh, Dennis Prager audience. And we'll talk more about this at that time. But this is a very, very dangerous concept. And again, it's one that is being pushed by Marxist uh, organizations and activist groups who have shared goals. And that is the deconstruction of the American society by way of the nuclear family as we know it for their own personal gain and benefit and power. Let's go to uh, Chuck, who's in North Ridgeville. Hi, Chuck. You're on the air. Go ahead. How you doing, Bob? Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, what I'd like to know, Bob, if we could, how do we keep the 50, 60 million people that, that voted for Trump and are still running around with Trump, how do we keep them together and how do we keep them so we can fortify what we have to do in the coming election? Also, when you were talking about elections and how to get some people out of office in uh, that are in office in washington you have to remember during the primaries what some of the people will do they will bring in a woman or a man and what they do is that how they split the boat bob because i ran for office in a suburb and that's how we did it i hate to say that you know so if people have whether you believe that or not you're going to be surprised what people will do to save their their own behind 
Well, you're right. Uh, although in this particular case, I don't think, and thanks for the call, I don't think Anthony Gonzalez is going to have to bring somebody else in or anything of that nature. They're already there. They're going to be natural rivals who are going to be touting the Trump agenda, America first, uh, in, you know, in trying to remove Anthony Gonzalez because he, of course, voted against Trump in terms of the impeachment. So there will be a natural, uh, progression of individuals who are saying, no, I'm for Trump. No, I'm for Trump. And will they split their Trump, pro-Trump votes then and allow Anthony Gonzalez to skate back into the general election? That's the question. Uh, thank you, my friend. Let's go to uh, Jan in Brexville. Hi, Jan. You're on the air. Go right ahead. All right. Um, let's go to Navy man Norm. Let's see if that one works. Norm, are you there? Yes, Bob. Okay. Uh, real quick. Does the name Doug Collins ring a bell with you? Yeah, Georgia congressman. Yeah, and he ran in the Republican Senate and took the vote away from the incumbent, who only lost the margin of 50% by like uh, one and a half tenths of a percent. Correct. So, and, and you know, the thing that just, this is what blows my mind. Plus, you have all these libertarians running in other states, and I'd like to know who paid off the libertarians in the presidential election. They've never won an office that I know of. I know Rand Paul says he's a libertarian. I was going to say, yeah, Rand, Paul, Rand Paul's a libertarian. Ron Paul used to be in Congress as a libertarian. Yeah, and he's probably the only one that ever you know, won an office. But, you know, they, they took away enough votes, okay, from incumbents to cost Trump the election. And the same thing's going to happen in the 16th district, of which my wife and I live. And I hope these people wake up. I mean, some of them don't stand a snowball's chance Hades, you know, to get through. And uh, I, I would just hope that the Republican Party would focus on one tough candidate. I would like to see Christina Hagan myself, personally. But as, as far as that goes, they better learn their lesson, because if they don't, and Anthony Gonzalez is going to win the election. I like Christina Hagan a lot, as you know. That's why I have her on my show every Friday now. Um, she's she's terrific. She made a run at Tim Ryan, as we know. I don't know if she could run for the 16th without moving into the 16th. Uh, so she that's. Ran for it. She did run for it against Gonzalez. She, in the she, primary. No, uh, she ran against Tim Ryan. She ran no, against she Tim, ran Tim Ryan for Congress, I believe. This, this time, but the last time. She ran in the primary against Gonzalez. Cause oh, I okay. So, oh, so you mean her yeah. first, her first, uh, uh, hit when he was elected two years ago? The yeah, first she time got through. about she got 40% of the votes. Okay. And uh, there, was, there, was, there was only one debate, and she just kicked butt. I mean, she is really, really sharp. And she is. She she's, really she's terrific. And I, but here's the thing, you know, what you just said, uh, you know, about Doug Collins, that's the thing. If you've got a Trump endorsed candidate and then you've got somebody strong like Christina Hagan and you got, you know, you know, somebody else who's an experienced candidate like Jonah Schultz who ran against, uh, Marsha Fudge, um, you know, you, you're going to put so many people into that. That's why I said I think it's going to be a crowded field and that could be the blessing for Anthony Gonzalez, a crowded field in which they all cancel one another out. I, I hope they settle on one one tough candidate, Bob. That's, we'd need it. Yeah, the question is, who is they? Who's going to make that decision? Is it going to be the ORP? Is it going to be, you know, is it going to be uh, county Republican clubs? Who is going to be that's going to say, hey, we're all going to settle on one person and try to drive everybody else out of that race? It's going to be yeah, very well, tough I'm, to figure out. I'm sure uh, the Norm, Trump, Norm I got to go, my friend. Thank you for the call, but uh, and thank you for the clarification. I was talking about Christina Hagan against Tim Ryan, but you're right. Two times ago, or two elections ago, uh, that was a, that was a correct uh, against Anthony Gonzalez. 
Okay, that's all the time that we've got. Um, I'm off for an hour, but I'll be back on at noon. If you want to listen to the Dennis Prager Show, I'm hosting for Dennis today. Have a safe...